Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. The mics are live. Whoa, that's really loud. My face. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. And I hear a lot of feedback. That's because it's my own headphones. Awesome. Well, welcome to another exciting show. Yes, it's not as cool as last week because Johnny Worthen isn't here and we're not at Film Quest. But hey, we're at Gamers Inn, located in Lehigh, Utah, where, where we always are. We're back at home. We are, which is awesome. So, uh, with that said, we've got a great show tonight. We've got uh, Robert Brockway, wow, coming on the show talking about his new book, The Unnoticeables, which has a really cool premise. I didn't um, You didn't notice. Yeah. has something to do with angels and fixing people, which I can see a lot of problems with this. Uh, oh. Yeah. So, apparently that's what they do. They try to fix us. Um, so, who knows? Uh, not only that, uh, if you're in the area, uh, Gamers Inn has some stuff going on. Uh, there's a pre-release of Magic the Gathering Origins on July 11th. Uh, there is a Silt Deck event. With, it has a $25 entry fee. There's a Two-Headed Giant thing going on and a Sealed Deck uh, tournament going on. So. Yeah, Two-Headed Giant. Yeah. So there's going to be drawings throughout the event. Prizes <laughs> will be provided. And then actually tomorrow, uh, the Friday Night Magic, uh, it's a standard tournament special prizes if your deck is red, white, or blue. Ooh. Or it could be all it's three. All Who knows? patriotic. Yeah. Amazing. Just think of that. So, so just show up with your black deck. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Gamers in, in Lehigh. In Lehigh. So not Gamer. Gamers. In, in Lehigh. Lehigh. No, it's Game Gamers Inn. Inn, located in Lehigh <laughs> City, Utah. Some people were apparently confused by yeah. that. Yeah. Well, um, I could. We worked it out. Yes, we worked it out. So we've got some great stuff going on. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about geek news. We'll talk Star Wars, maybe Transformers, maybe some other stuff. Um, maybe new Spider-Man. New Spider-Man. There's, there's a lot. Stan Lee going into the hospital and then coming out just in time to make it for the Ant-Man premiere. That guy will never die, I swear. Either he's pickled, half cyborg, or something else is going on. That well, I don't obviously know. he has a superpower. He does. That's why he knows so much about them. Or he has blue alien blood. Maybe. That would be more interesting than a superpower. Maybe he's half Kree. The aliens left us one good thing on Earth, and it was Stan Lee. I am totally fine I'm with that. I'm good with that. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. Stan Lee. 
He's an alien. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, what, 92 years old? And he's still running around? I hope that Comic-Con. they um, yeah. show the significance of his roles in all of the films before he passes away. They need to get on that. That that would be awesome. What An entire he's movie. That he's the seer? I think. Ooh. That could be. Because he's in every the Watcher. Film, the Watcher he's yeah. the Watcher. The Watcher. Where, like, that could be his to- ultimate time because the Watcher is watching over everything yeah. within the Marvel Universe. Yeah, he's watching things but not interfering with yes. it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But he's not short. He doesn't have a giant head and he's not bald. But who cares? I wouldn't it's go Stan as far Lee. to say that he doesn't have a giant head. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. We, yes. We just contemplated the idea he might have blue alien blood, so I really don't think that this is out of the realm of possibilities. Maybe it's just alien magic. He has a cloaking <laughs> technology to make him look like That's an old, what crazy I saw, man. But I didn't want to spend the time explaining okay. it, but yeah, yeah, I agree. There it is. There it is. <laughs> we know. Okay. Well, uh, looks like our interview is calling in, so we'll jump on this. We'll talk uh, to Robert real quickly, go, and we will move forward. So here we go. Good evening. Thanks for calling into Dunder Cross Radio. Is this Robert? Yeah, this is this is me. Hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you know how how are things going? You know, the book is uh is almost out. I mean, things have got to be getting like really excited and uh kind of the nerves are probably buzzing at this point, I would assume because it comes out on July 7th, correct? Yeah, yeah, it comes out on July 7th. I would say uh, Excited was about a week ago, and now it's terrified. Mostly just terrified now. <laughs> okay. So what what is the terrifying part of it? Well, I mean, what if it's just terrible? <laughs> what if I wrote an <laughs> awful book? I'm about to find out. Everybody's going to tell me. I don't know. I've heard only good things about it so far, which is my only gauge as to, as to its quality. I mean, obviously, good. I'd think it was good, but uh, we're about to find out if anybody else in the world agrees with me. I, I think that I is find the that terrifying. Ultimate, I think that is the ultimate terror that any writer faces is, even if they've written two, three, four, fifty books, I, is will they like this? And it, you know, every every time it has oh. to be that same feeling. Oh yeah, I, I'm just I'm, I'm kind of wondering if there will be like a revolt and mobs will show up at my door and take away like my ability to write forever, break my fingers. Ooh. I don't know. It could be. I could be crucified for this. This is graphic. You know, or 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 we could go to the flip side and you could just, you know, it could be so amazing that, you know, a, a lady like Kathy Bates shows up, takes you to her cabin in the middle of the woods and Hmm, wasn't that a movie? I mean that's the dream. That that's yeah. the goal of every writer is to is to be so good that an obsessed fan kidnaps you and just mangles you. I hope I hope I can Whatever get there someday. Good publicity. Yeah. <laughs> so the unnoticed unnoticeables. Um can you kind of give us a a little preview of what the story is? Sure. It's uh it's it takes place in two timelines. Uh one is 1977 New York. Uh the character there is Carrie. He's a punk rocker. Doesn't really have much motivation in life. And the other is 2014 or so. Uh her name is Caitlin and she's a stunt woman in modern day LA. And the thing that ties them both together is they start seeing these strange things. They start seeing lights that they refer to as angels and people whose faces they can't remember and their friends slowly start disappearing around them. 
So between the two timelines, they have to discover what's going on that links them together. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. I'm I'm, I'm intrigued because it, it, it kind of has like a Doctor Who type feel to it. Um, <laughs> in a way. Yeah. But, and then, you, but you're also yeah, kind of bit. referring to like alien. It kind of seems like referring to alien encounters where. You're seeing lights and people are disappearing. Yeah, it's, not uh, really the case. it's 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 a mashup of all sorts of all, all sorts of genres there. I like the choice Hard of the characters. Down. Like it's not quite the same thing you see in every book or yeah. in every movie. You know, you got mm-hmm. a stout woman, you got the guy in New York. It's like, you know, it, it kind of brings it down a little bit to, to down to earth. And, right. You know, it's very Stephen King esque. Yeah, it's not the family next door kind of situation that just yeah. moved into a new house. It's much more r- real. What's wrong with the family moving in next door? You know what? Just because you're trying <laughs> to find so out much right now, to those I'm people. about moving, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have to you agree. Gotta, I, go ahead. I was just saying, you got to leave the family next door alone at some point. And, you know, fathers trying to get back to their kids and grizzled cops who are a few days away from retirement. All the shit in the world happens to those people. <laughs> that is true. No, I, I you know, I, I was going to say that I do agree that it is nice to see a different storyline because that is normally what you see. Yeah. You know, it, the family just moved in. Oh, crap happens. Um, you know, the cop that's, oh, man, I'm about to retire. You know, and he sits on a toilet and there's a bomb attached to it. Uh, you know, th- just all that type of, yes, it's lethal wow. weapon. Wow. <laughs> We're a little left filled with that one. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. But um Well that's why I brought up Stephen King. I mean yeah. like he doesn't really put anything quite, you know, cliche in any 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 of his novels. No, he doesn't. Except for cliche for him. For him, yeah. yeah. You know, haunted lamps and such. Well, but, and that wise African American with special thinking powers. <laughs> sort of special <laughs> magical <laughs> ability. Yeah. A homicidal car. But it yeah. just, it makes it much more yeah. interesting just seeing a, a character that you really don't have any, you know perspective of, you know, I mean, how many people know the life of a of a stunt woman? You know, know you don't really think about that. be interesting in itself. Yeah. Unfortunately, I never will be. I'm not a woman, so, sorry. Can't do that one. Well, that was incredibly sexist, but okay. And, I'm not a woman. <laughs> that's not sexist. And you can't do stunts because you burn easily in the sun. I know. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a ginger. <laughs> well, the fact that it's a stunt woman, too, is kind of interesting because no, that everything, is. That's awesome. everything I ever see on stunt Performers are always men. Well, I mean, female actors, you have to... They're they're the ones that have to keep their faces nice the most. (laughs) Otherwise, no one's going to the... Yeah, you gotta gotta stay fit and trim and pretty, and you gotta jump motorcycles and headbutt through panes of glass. Much harder. And some other prettier actress gets all the credit. So it's probably even harder to be... sad, but true. No female. So what made you choose these two different characters? Uh, you know, the stunt woman and, you know, the, the guy back in the, in New York during the 70s. Well, there's a the concept that kind of links it together is that there's a sort of hidden code that governs the universe and that uh, you can describe anything in the universe if you have a complicated enough code, if you have access to this code, including people, so that we're all basically just algorithms and algorithms can be reduced and solved. And so that that's what these uh, these lights and these angels are, are about. So I, I had that idea first, and then I started thinking in terms of characters, who who would hate that idea the most? And uh, I came up with punk rockers, 
would hate to think that they were just algorithms to be solved. And all of I lived in L.A. for a bit, and pretty much anybody involved in movies thinks they're a beautiful snowflake and would hate to be hate to be defined by some set of numbers that is that is beyond them and predetermined. So it was it was a matter of finding the people that would be most against this concept. What sort of genre would you say you're pushing in the story? You know, it sounds a little supernatural. It sounds a little you know, sci-fi as far as maybe aliens or something. What what genre would you use to define the novel? I've always said it's sci-fi horror, but uh, I understand that it goes a little beyond that. I think the publishers are pushing it as urban fantasy, and I can see that too. Uh, I think it's got elements of all of that in there. I like sci-fi horror. I mean, I, and I'm a fan of ur- urban fantasy as well, but this really kind of hits that you know that focal point of science fiction and horror. So wow. Well you read um what was it? Uh Michael Crichton's uh The Sphere, you know, that's one of the rare, you know, sci fi horror films that, yeah. you know, I see in that realm, you know, it's a little more psychological, only a few people can see it, you know. I enjoyed the crap out of that book. I haven't really read too much else in that yeah, realm. Sci fi and horror. Yeah. Yeah. And that was absolutely terrifying. There's nothing worse than be yeah than being trying to beat your own mind. I guess the psychological part of it is absolutely terrifying. But would you say that there's any kind of psychological elements to your book? Yeah, there's definitely. I mean, I think with all horror, there has to be a psychological element. Otherwise, it's not you know it's not hitting on those really weak points that that make you scared. So there's a lot of okay psychology in those people and then the title the unnoticeables it refers to the the faceless people that they can't remember but it also refers in a sense to the characters who are the punk rockers in 1977 new york who are just you might as well not exist at that point the cops aren't going to help you everybody kind of hates you you're swept under the rug and your friends are disappearing here and there and it, it at the same time it refers to to Caitlin in LA because there's she's a dime a dozen there's a million people trying to replace her and Hollywood doesn't give a damn about that so there's this this like isolation and loneliness and sort of a wondering if it matters who you are right yeah, I can definitely see that those group of people feeling incredibly I don't know if the word is doubtful, but just in just terrified and not mattering because you get into the entertainment business for the most part to be an individual and to matter and to kind of control your own destiny. And it's a very hard thing to do and to find out that you don't matter, you're just like everybody else and it's all a numbers game. That that would be terrifying. Well, on top of yeah, that, it's like an existential having... kind of terror. Right. Yeah, having the ability to see things that other people don't can definitely destroy any career of mm-hmm. any artist. You know, it's just uh, all of a sudden puts a, a label on you, and publishers and you know bookies and all that stuff are not going to really pull for that unless you're someone really huge. And so, I mean, if you had something really, you know, it, it would just be scary. You know, if, if if all of a sudden you're seeing lights and you have a career and you're moving in the right path, and all of a sudden you've got something that you've got to deal with. That makes yeah. you feel crazy, you and if you tell anybody, they're going to think you're crazy. It could really potentially yeah, it, it almost you. ruined Anne Heche's career. She had an alien encounter, and she started telling everyone about it, and um, 
people stopped hiring her for a while because everybody thought she was nuts. And so I can understand why that would be... That would have not. Yeah, not everyone's Tom Cruise. You no. can't believe in aliens. Yeah, really well, he, you know, but... he did the religious aliens. <laughs> Those are different. Those are dignified aliens. Because <laughs> there's a huge difference between. <laughs> At one point, you have a church, I guess. Somebody built a building for you to do that, and then it's okay. Then it's okay to see aliens. Now it's scrutiny. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I, 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 my brain is just rewinding. Have have we ever seen any reports of gingers being kidnapped by aliens? I think you guys are... They're scared of gingers. Okay. Yeah. All right. They're, they're like the Romans. They're afraid of us. Okay. Yep. So now, kind of moving towards you kind of personally, uh, besides the book, you're also a senior editor and a columnist at Crack.com, correct? Yes, I am. Now, that that has to be kind of fun. I mean, doing that. Oh, it's a great time. So, I mean, can you expound on your your job there with them? Oh, sure. Um, I'm getting back to my columns regularly. I've been off for, for about a year, but I had a weekly column for five years. And I think I'll be going bi-weekly, monthly, something like that. We haven't nailed down a schedule for my triumphant return yet. But the large bulk of what I do is kind of behind the scenes these days, and I do the final pass edits on, on I don't know, 40% of our content, something like that, where... uh. We have you know our writer that comes in through the workshop and writes it, and then we have the first pass editor that basically just makes sure it's what was promised, and then I go in and punch up all the language and write a bunch of jokes and learn about a bunch of interesting stuff, and somehow I get paid for it too, which is always nice. Yeah, that sounds like a really amazing and fun job. You know you have an amazing job. Yeah, don't. At the end of this, you say somehow I get. Don't paid tell for anybody <laughs> this job exists. I don't need. I don't need the competition. <laughs> No competition. No, we don't want that. So, now, is this, I apologize if this is incorrect, but this is your first book, correct? Or no? Uh, They consider it my first book. I've actually written a few books, but they're not, like each genre is is isolated. So I wrote a nonfiction book called Everything is Going to Kill Everybody, and I was published by uh, Three Rivers Press. Whoa, 2007 or so. And then I wrote a self-published sci-fi serial novel thing called RX, A Tale of Electronegativity. But since this is fiction and it's not self-published or a serial novel, it's considered my debut novel. So we can roll with that. All right. Now, is is this going to be just a standalone novel or is there a possibility of a series coming out of it? Oh, it's definitely a trilogy. It was conceived of and sold as a trilogy. So I already had part of the second book written and on the whole thing outlined when I when I sold it to them. As a matter of fact, I've already turned in book two about a week ago, a finished draft of that. So we're on a fairly aggressive release schedule, too. So there will be three books. Uh, they're coming one each year. So this one's, you know, July 7, 2015, July 7, 2016, and 2017. Wow. Yeah, that is kind of aggressive. But that's awesome, though. Yeah, I have a question. Okay. I want you to tell us a little bit about the book, um, the first book that you said that you wrote that was a nonfiction, Everything is Going to Kill Everybody. Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, Everything is Going to Kill I, Everybody. I believe this. I want to hear about this that because was, I've uh, said this for years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a nonfiction book about the apocalypse, which always makes me sound crazy when I say that, like I'm a hoarder or something, like I'm in a bunker out there. But it's about the ways that the apocalypse could actually happen, not in some, like, you know, the stars will burn out or whatever. 
heat death of the universe kind of way, a much more immediate, this could happen in your lifetime kind of way. So the nonfiction, real ways it could happen, uh, some ways that it almost has happened, that life on Earth has really, really recently almost ended, like within the last 50 years or so. And, and the ways that are not inevitable, but also kind of could happen if X, Y, and Z play out just right. Wow. That actually sounds really fascinating. I'm I'm an end-of-the-world end of conspiracist as well. I'm obsessed with it. So I know. Oh, yeah, you're not... another one of us. Oh, yeah. No, I'm... Like, you have no idea. But, yeah, no, that sounds really cool. Where can I get this book? Uh, uh, bookstores everywhere. <laughs> it was, really? It was from Free River, so it's still, yeah, it's still around there. It's still hmm. circulating, yeah. still in publication. Sounds like we're taking a trip to Barnes & Noble yes. this evening. Yes. Yay, copy. <laughs> you need to go it find a copy. Awesome. Of course, I just get, like, really stressed out for a couple of weeks after I read stuff like this. Start building bunkers. Oh, man. And, you know. This is going to ruin stay, you then. Maybe you shouldn't, shouldn't do it. Man, I'm talking about food storage goes up in my house. Debate getting oxygen tanks and gas masks. Like, it gets that bad. But it sounds really cool. Well, I'll I'm give you a lot of excuses sick. to buy that, buy that stuff. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> what I need. Looks like you're going to be busy for a while. <laughs> I'm marrying Ta- a crazy person. <laughs> yes, you are. Time to go shopping. <laughs> wow. Okay, so uh, The Unnoticeables comes out July 7th now. Is it just, is it going to be available in ebook and audiobook as well, or is it just uh, in hardback or paperback version? Uh, it's hardcover only for now. The paperback comes out in a year, so the paperback will come out at the same time as the second book on July 7th, okay. 2016. Uh, physical copies, it's just hardcover, and I think they sell CDs of the audio version. There's definitely an audio version and an ebook version out as well. Nice. Since life has gotten busy, I love the audio books. They're just so much easier to sit and listen to while I'm doing other things. So that's awesome that it's coming out as an audio book as well. So, yeah, it's actually uh, really cool what they did with that. They've got a – it's not just one narrator. They actually hired one narrator for each different viewpoint. There are three viewpoints in it, so there's three narrators going through oh, it. Nice. Sounds pretty neat. Yeah, that's even better because then you get you know different sounds with different viewpoints. So, wow. Do you know who is reading those viewpoints by chance? Oh, jeez. Uh, I know it's Nick Pardell. I forget the other two's name. I'm sorry. I – I listened to them. No, I listened okay. to their catalog. I approved them. They're all really good, but uh, I'm terrible with names. No, don't worry about it. I just thought I would ask since I was on the subject. So, uh, you guys got any other questions? I, this sounds like a great book, and definitely uh, something down the alley that anyone that kind of is in these interest in these genres, whether it's alien, angels, uh, stunt people, or Interesting science fiction horror stories. This sounds like this is down your alley. You you mentioned that this takes place in two different time periods, correct? Yeah. How do those intertwine throughout the novel? Well, that's that's kind of a the long secret. burning thing throughout the novel is that <laughs> you'll have to sort of figure out how they intertwine. But uh, events that are going down are very similar in in both timelines, and then they have to discover exactly how they're intertwined together. Pretty cool. So you have to read the book if you want to know. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm withholding answers until you until you buy the book. 
That's awesome. Go by the book, folks. You want to know how the stunt woman and the guy in New York in the 70s figure this craziness out. No. All right. Well, and it's available anywhere, including Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, pretty much I would assume anywhere books are sold at this point. This will be available. Yeah, it should be. All right. Uh, You guys, any other questions? All right. Well, uh, is there any uh, possible book signings you're going to be doing or any uh, conventions you're going to be stopping at in the near future? Yeah, we'll be nailing some of those down more. I know I'm going to Comic-Con on the 9th through the 11th. I'll be doing a signing at a tour booth at noon on the 10th at Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con. And then uh, I have my tour schedule around somewhere. I'll I'll be all over the place. You can find my tour schedule on my website, uh, robertbrockway.net. Okay. Cool. Well, great. So everyone go check out The Unnoticeables. Uh, go to Robert's website, robertbrockway.net, if you want to see where he's going to be next. And then uh, be nice. Go hunt him down and say, I want your book, and I need your signature and maybe a pint of blood. Well, maybe not the pint of blood, but everything else. All right. Uh, thanks for your time this evening. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Okay. Have a good night. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. <laughs> All right. That was uh, well, Robert Brockway. Now he just thinks we're weird. Yes. Thanks for ending the interview. I know. I know. <laughs> Sorry, Robert. We're not weird. Be our friends. <laughs> well, we started it off talking about you know, every author's dream is wanting a stalker, so I had to finish it oh, somehow funny. Oh, he was funny. circling that for us. Yes, Thank I was. was. That's what was I was doing. A, a full circle. I was bringing the circle back in a really <laughs> weird, crazy way. Too fast and loose, man. I know. <laughs> oh, well. So, um, yeah, we. So that was a great uh, interview with, with Robert. Check out his book. Again, it's The Unnoticeables. It comes out July 7th, so just next week on Tuesday. Um, you know, it's... It, Pretty much, I would say it's a nasty, freaky, haphazardly fun horror story. My kind of story. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I just want to know if the angels are really aliens, or if they're just angels that are just messing with us. I had to actually read the whole book just to, and to figure out how the heck the time intertwines. I, I, I really want to read yeah. this just for that. Yeah. To figure out how it, because um, you know, and the reason I brought up Doctor Who is because there is an episode where. This lady puts a, v- a tape in, and it's recording of the doctor, and he's telling her to do things because he's stuck in the past. And so he's telling her to do things, and it's, they're interacting with each other. And he'll write a note and leave it somewhere, and then she goes to that place and gets the note. You know, so cool. it's pretty cool. So I, you know, I wonder if there's something kind of like that. And there's also another movie um, that had Dennis Quaid in it, uh, Frequency. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So that kind of was similar where there was events going back and forth and they were communicating over the radio. So I'm wondering if there's something like that going on maybe or not. But I love I think I've seen it on T V a lot where you see a character and you're you're in the present time with them and you almost don't know that it's two different separate time zones. Yeah. Right? Or two separate time periods. Periods, yeah. And uh you're going through the adventure with this one guy and then let's say character B goes into a room and you see you've seen the same room with the other character but mm-hmm. it looked a lot newer and then yeah. character B it's a lot older and they've left something for the next character in the future to, mm-hmm. to discover and that's always really cool stuff that carries a story throughout a lot of period of time. That just I don't think that would work too well with this one. Probably not. Just because 
if it's a guy in the seventies, you know, bell bottoms and those funky clothes would look a little bit different than a lady that's in modern day and she's a stunt woman. Maybe, I don't know. maybe, maybe, maybe they have some connection. Maybe the stunt woman likes wearing belt bottoms. Maybe you don't she's know. all about faux pas. You don't know her story. Or the guy <laughs> in the seventies is her long lost father that she didn't see because he took off. That's what made her want to be a stunt woman. Book. I know. Uh, <laughs> crazy. All right. So uh, let's get moving on. We've got tons of other stuff to cover. Um, should we take a break? It's about that time. All right. So we'll take a small break. Jared has to pee. Sorry. Let's go. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> Thanks for announcing wow. that on air. Yeah. Now everyone knows that. Commercial, commercial embarrassment. We'll be back. <laughs> Hi. This is Tim Russ from Star Trek Voyager and iCarly. And you're listening to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Yes. This is a classy so. show. You're ruining it. You got so mad when I farted on the Raptor. Oh, my episode. gosh. <laughs> I said, you put that online? It was so that mad. That was brilliant. What was so, my father saying? My dad messaged me.
All right, welcome back. Yeah, that was loud. This new soundboard is super loud. Audio spiking. But no one else really needs to hear what the speakers are saying. So awesome! Welcome back to Dungeon Crawlers Radio. We just had uh, Robert Brockway talking about his new book, The Unnoticeables. Comes out July 7th. Go get it. Yeah, we're just sitting here talking about how we're going to go get it because it sounds awesome. It does. It does. I want to find out if they're aliens or really angels. I think it's aliens. That's my vote. Yeah. But, yeah, they're just not um, Tom Cruise angels. Let's we'll leave it at that. I'll just leave it at that. When has anyone ever called anything around Tom Cruise an angel? Um, His daughter. That's about the closest thing. Well, no, I'm pretty sure his family thinks he's psycho now. Oh, I'm sure. That's why Katie left. <laughs> well, well she, she left because, well, she got a daughter and lots of money from the divorce, I'm sure, and um, he's crazy. Yeah. Was she crazy. was probably Katie, a prisoner. If you're listening, could you call in and let us know why you left Tom Cruise? <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> if she's actually listening, that would be awesome. But I doubt she's the type of person that would listen to this stuff. Uh, However, I, 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 I have... So, I had a really cool experience um, over the weekend. Um, so I had an author that I was talking to, and she's been working on her book. And she, you know, asked how I was part of Dungeon Crawlers because um, I've seen her at LTUE and several other conventions. And you know, I let her know that I was the one that kind of started this. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I'm writing a book, and your show is on my bucket list. She's like, that, that's like the one show. I mean, I'm, there's like this huge list of shows that she could go on, and ours is on her bucket list. And that's just pretty awesome. That's really awesome. We're a bucket list now. Yeah! Yay! Woo! Maybe that should be our tagline. Yeah. <laughs> our tagline, we're a bucket list. Take it. So, there's a lot of cool geek news out there. Uh, so, Marvel and Sony have announced who the new Spider-Man is going to be. Come on! Yes. Sorry. We're waiting. Uh, no. What? What? No. Nobody heard you. Oh, okay. Keep going. What did you say? Did I say Tom Holland? Is that the right guy? Tom. That's his name, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've seen pictures of him where someone has superimposed his face right. over the yeah. Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. I just can't see it. Yeah, I'm not excited. The only movie I saw him in was The Impossible with Ewan McGregor and the running away from the tsunami in uh, And that was pretty cool. But I don't remember him saving a single person. As a matter of fact, I remember him running away, screaming, well, and that's our new Spider-Man. It's because he hadn't been bit by the radioactive spider yet. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Shoot that movie after he gets bit. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, first off, when the Ender Games kid was, they talked about him. I thought that they had officially announced him at okay. that point. And, or whatever. Yeah, and I was extremely yeah. disappointed because, yes, he did an amazing job in Hugo, and I mean, okay, he did okay in Ender's Game, but he's more of a dramatic actor. He really is. That's a strong suit. And Spider-Man's funny. Spider-Man's funny. He's kind of a... He is a wisecracker. Yeah, he's a wisecracker. You know, like I just don't see him. I, I don't think he smiles maybe once in Ender's Game. Like, he's just not the kind of actor. And then they have this kid, which I thought I couldn't be more disappointed. I'm a little... I mean, I'm going to keep an open mind, but I am, I am I'm disappointed. I don't know enough about him to judge, I guess. 
but he just doesn't look like Spider-Man. No, he, he doesn't have the Peter Parker look, no. at least to me. Um, All the candidates look really young, though. I'm really wondering where they're picking up, because at this point in the Marvel comic books, Spider-Man isn't a little, little Well, kid. this is the thing that really is interesting, because if he shows up in Civil War, he's in his late mid to late 30s at yeah, that he's point. Old well, he's morning. old, and so why are we going with a really young kid? And I know they were trying to maybe think of going with Miles Morales, but he doesn't fit in the, the Civil War storyline. So why are we going with a younger looking? And okay, oh, from one point from the so studio side, so they can keep using him right. over and over. Because how many Spider-Man yeah. actors have we had at this point? I think we're at five. Yeah. Well, when you cast them when they're already in their thirties, yeah. there's only so many movies you can do. Yeah. yeah, there is. So I mean that that makes sense from that point. You know, right. they can keep this character for several and build a years and build around. a franchise around yeah. that. Um, and I know that Sony put very strict restrictions with Marvel on who and what yeah. the Spider-Man character could it, look it's like. It's just a little scary to think that, you know, the Spider-Man that we know and love that is involved in Civil War has so much under his belt. He has gone through so much. He's oh, learned yeah. so much. He's developed himself as a superhero. And then all of a sudden we've got fresh Peter Parker off the school bus walking into Thanos' playground and... Trying not to get pushed over. Yeah. Like, it seems really unlikely that he'd be ready for this kind of responsibility. Yeah, it, how, how old is this kid? Like um, 18 or 19? He doesn't look 18 or 19. He looks like he's maybe 14. Let me, no. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, but it's been a, it's been a while since Impossible, right? Yeah, but still, you look at his most recent photos in IMDb. I mean, I could be completely wrong. He right. might have just been hidden from the media for a while. But he does look really young. And I, as far as I've read, I think... There you are. He was born in '96, so he yeah. is 18. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, well, and, and and again, we have another Brit playing an all-American icon. I mean, of course, you know, Andrew Garfield was British as well. Yeah. He just turned 19 on June 1st. Okay. So, so. he's yeah, he's he's just barely 19. Um, maybe if he gets cleaned up, he could look like. Spider-Man, I mean, there's a couple of pictures where I can say, okay, maybe. But he's still too young looking, in my he opinion. He might just need a haircut. For, and a good dye-in. Yeah. You're going to have to dye his hair. Well, I just, I'm not going to believe it. <laughs> it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough sell, at least for the, the fans, because he is going to look way too young for when Spider-Man should be in that that position. Well, I think they've well established that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a lot different, different than, than the comics and everything. Comics. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, for the most part, I've accepted a lot of stuff that they've done. Okay. The one thing I think I didn't really like was Iron Man making Ultron. I thought that was a little off, but other than that... That happens in the comics. Yeah, well, wasn't it Ant-Man that built Ultron? That's what originally? I heard. It, I was, it, was it, it was Iron Man and Ant-Man. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so, it, so in, in the movie, it was and Iron Man working yeah. together, but in, in, in the comics, it was you know, Aunt, it was Henry Pym and... I mean, and, we'll see what happens in the new Ant-Man. Maybe you can a hand in it or something, but I don't know. Yeah. The point is, you know, I I think that this will probably be one of the bigger shifts from the cinema, or from the comic to the cinematic universe because, I mean, it's 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 pretty dramatic. I mean, you think of all the stuff that Spider-Man had to do in order to become the hero he, he gets to eventually. There's a lot. There's a well, lot I mean, there's all the, the battles he's gone through, all the personal tragedy and stuff just in his personal life. That he's had to deal with, you know, keeping this Aunt May and yeah. the whole weird store side arc with finding out he's a clone but not a clone, his parents coming back but they're clones, blah 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 blah, Aunt May dying, coming back from the dead, 
Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, and then finally coming to a point where he feels comfortable enough, you know, J.J. Jameson is like, called him everything in the book, and then he just yanks off the mask and says, hey, I'm Peter Parker. That really, I mean, that was a defining moment for the character. Now, how defining is that going to be for a very young Spider-Man? Saying, hey, look, I'm Peter Parker. Who cares? It feels like they're just going to sideline all that stuff, to be quite yeah. honest. I mean, if they got to put Spider-Man in, in Infinity War, which I'm pretty sure that's what they're doing. Because, I mean, why wouldn't you if you have the rights all of a sudden? Yeah. They, I think they know that the audience that they're going after has seen this stuff twice. They've seen the origin story twice. We've seen Uncle Ben die twice. We've seen all this stuff plenty of times that we know the origin story of Spider-Man. Maybe they're giving us a little bit of, okay, this is what's happened after. You know, this is the thing. This is after those things you've already seen twice. And uh, leading us in that way. I mean, I don't know. There's many ways they can go about it, but there's a lot of stuff that they didn't show in the past two uh, franchises that I would really like to see in this one. Right. But, and then there's the other option. Maybe they're going with he's that high school kid. He's still that high school age Spider-Man. Which it looks like by the actor. And that that's kind of where they're pigeonholing this, and that's where... Because, you know, Spider-Man's been out of the Marvel Universe this whole time, so maybe that's when he's starting up. I don't know. We'll have to see sense. what they do. Um, yeah, I was thinking that when I was watching The Avengers for the first time. I was like, here in New York, and Spider-Man is, I guess, at the movies or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, this would make sense that maybe he's got his powers sometime around this now, and that's why he wasn't in these other events. Um, and, that, and that's one thing that... Well, interest me in how they're going to do the Fantastic Four movie as well because they're in Man- they're in Manhattan they're da- downtown New York so why didn't they show up? That's a pretty young cast too. Yeah, maybe yeah. they're trying to push a whole bunch of young actors and younger characters so that after the Avengers they still have another twenty years of superhero movies. Maybe which you know I think they're kind of burning themselves out a little they are. bit. Yeah, but at the same time that's a good business move. It is. And I can say is, let's get rid of the origin story with Spider-Man. Let's just skip that. Yeah, we, do, we don't need it. We've seen it. I can only watch Uncle Ben die so many I times. Know. We all know he gets bit by a radioactive spider and then gets powers. Then Th- these, are things, these are things that are covered in the introduction to all of the cartoons. Yes. In well, five seconds. I mean, what they could even do is, if they do it, you know, that little the montage where we're seeing the credits, just kind of throw something in there where we're seeing right. pictures. Yeah. And that would work. And if then I we know that. word, if you have, what is it, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. In again. a different way, again uh, and again, I might just... Lose it. Lose, yeah. Well, it's going to be in any Spider-Man movie, to yeah. be honest. That is that's that is a theme throughout Spider-Man. But I love uh, I love your idea. I think showing his origin through a short five-minute montage of yeah. visuals over credits. I mean, that's perfect. Visuals that's all we need. Credits. Well, it's it's really simple. It's you know because we already know that. So let's just kind of let's get yeah. through that and then get into the story. Yeah, exactly like Sam Raimi's second right. Spider-Man. Second yeah, they they just went through the the, con- the conceptual art or something like that. Yeah. And they pasted it over the credits, and that was enough to tell everyone yeah. what happened. Yeah, but I like that. Then we can move forward. Like all right. Well, I think we've beat this with a dead horse. We've beaten we've it with, beat a, dead with horse. a dead horse. That's yes. Like level that two sounds of heavy. It is. <laughs> you know, we're not going to beat it into a dead horse. We've beat it with a dead horse. It's even better. 
Much more masculine. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, all right, you guys have some other things, or do, should I keep talking? Do we have anything? Yeah, Geek News? Nerd news? I want to talk about Final Fantasy. Let's see what you guys think so, about this. Oh, so Final remake? Fantasy yeah. VII Remake? Mm-hmm. We yeah. kind of talked a little bit about this last week, Jared and I did. Um, that's one of my all-time favorite Final Fantasy games. I really loved it. It was awesome. I I still have it. I still have my old PlayStation just so I can play that every now and then because mm-hmm. um, I still haven't beat uh, Ruby Weapon. Get an um, emulator. I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, it was an awesome game. I put over 99 hours on that, playing that game. And got almost everything you get except for defeating Ruby Weapon. Uh, it still irks me even now. I still haven't defeated that thing. But um, if they remake it, there there's some things I can see positives and negatives. You know, they remade Final Fantasy Seven and or not Seven uh, Four and all these other ones, and pushed them out onto the handheld consoles, and they tweaked the 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 graphics. And they change the stories to the point where it's like, that's not really my old game. Right. Now, I know Final Fantasy VII, from reading back in the day, wasn't complete. They ran out of time, and they met their deadline. They had to push it. There was a section of story that was never put back in the game. So I'm wondering, are they going to put that back in the game? Mm-hmm. Or is the story going to be tweaked because they've had all these other side arcs, and they're going to try to mesh all that in with the whole thing with Zack? Are we going to... You know, because there was a really short instance where he played as him for a little bit as a flashback se- sequence. Is that going to be expanded? Right. Um, or is he going to come back, loop back into the story? Because in Advent Children, that movie, we saw him there with Eris. Um, so I don't know. It's Well, the question is, I mean, you're obviously a, the, probably one of the biggest target audience people that they can sell this oh, movie yeah. to. You know, do you think changing the story, in this case expanding the story, would enhance the gameplay... Or do you, would you want to see something more like what they did with the Halo franchise, where it's like, well, Halo 2 is an awesome game, we love playing it, but no one does anymore because mm-hmm. it's on the original Xbox. Well, let's update the graphics, let's make it playable and, and uh, up to par with the, the next-gen mm-hmm. console games, and just, you know, resurrect it, so to speak, but not touch the story. No, I mean, if it was this... If we had a few tweaks that didn't drastically change it, and we had some cool graphics, yeah, I'd be game for it, but multi-platform it. Don't just put it on the PlayStation. Right. You know, I, and that's one thing that and was... just keeping it on the PlayStation. ...was the problem was it was on the PlayStation, but then as, you know, we, I think it was after 10, then it started going on PC, and then they were getting pushed to other platforms. So if they can push it to all the platforms, you know, granted, it's probably not going to go on a Wii U or anything like that, which right. is fine, but, you know, I would run out and pick it up, you know, if I had an Xbox One, and that came out on Xbox One. Um, do you think they'll do that? I would hope so, but I don't know. You know, Square Square Enix used to be only on. Uh, you know, they, their contracts were only to one specific uh, console. Right. You know, that's kind of changed. So I'm hoping that's the case. Yeah. If so, hey, totally, I'll go pick it up, I and then and play that. it. God of War is another one. That I don't have a PlayStation. So yeah, I can't play. I love that game and uh, Little Big Planet, Big Little. Is yeah, Little Big. Yeah, Little yeah. Big Planet is on PlayStation only, and yeah. you know it's like, you know, uh, we were told about the game, and my stepson's dad got him got that for him. But hey, it's for the PlayStation Three. 
I don't own a PlayStation 3. So he's had this game for four years, and it's just sat on our shelf. Because if you go to, like, a game store, you're not going to get any value out of it, which is annoying as all heck. Um, But... But remakes I, I just, tend to get a pretty bad rap. And I, they do. Mainly because of movies. Mm-hmm. And when you said, okay, let's bring it to games, I'm, I'm pretty sure a lot of people freaked out. The thing is, the structure of a game is, I think, in my opinion, a little more sensitive than the structure of a movie. Mm-hmm. That you, you, you go through a lot more with that character in a game than you would a movie. And two, you know, the development of the story is very important. Yeah. So if you were to alter Final Fantasy VII in any way, it's kind of like the butterfly effect. Well, this is what I, I think more along the line is everyone's hearing, oh, they're redoing Final Fantasy VII. Is this going to be George Lucas tweaking Star Wars? I I hope not. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I obviously mean, it's different because, again, they're bringing it into a new generation. Not they like are. George did with, you know, sock puppets against a green screen all of a sudden in Episode Six, But, you know with making it relevant to today's consoles. Mm-hmm. That, to me, I think is the biggest pro you can get out of it. I mean, if, if that's what they're doing and they're not really messing with too much, if it's small changes that I think we can deal with, I think it's going to be a success vastly, and, and they're going to make money. Yeah. I mean, they're probably just going to make money because everyone's going to run out to see what's been changed, or, oh, it's my Final Fantasy VII because my PlayStation no longer works, yeah. and I want to play it. Um that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. Because, again, I love what they did with the Halo franchise. I can play Halo yeah. and Halo 2 again, and I will enjoy it, or it will it will be up to par with all the, my other Xbox 360 games. Or Xbox yeah. Xbox. I mean, well, even, I mean, 360, I mean, if they could, if we could get graphics that are as good, which I know we're going to get better, as, like, Skyrim or Dragon Age, you know, for that game, that's going to be amazing. Because, let's face it, other than the amazing CG scenes you're pretty much blocks and circles all moving together in this weird little format. Um, but it was a great game. And I, So the question is, Daniel, are, are you, would you consider yourself pro-game remake or not pro-game remake? I'm on the fence. I, I really am because I want it to be awesome, to bring back that joy that I had when I originally played it, but, you know, having those pretty graphics. and But at the same time, they're messing with perfection in a way now let's say you know we had a listener that doesn't have the original playstation console Mm -hmm. or playstation 2 or whatever and they just had no ability to play final fantasy 7 anymore because no i mean for for a first-time player they'll probably love it well really just you know even someone who's enjoyed it and it would be it would be the means to play it anymore because they don't have the console anymore i think it would be i I think again as a business model it's it's a brilliant idea Bring back a game that they know fans love, yeah. right. you know, and they've talked about it for years, and now they're finally doing it. But it, people are going to run out and buy it. I, I guarantee it. I will buy it. Well, that's why I think I would consider myself pro remakes for yeah. games specifically. Well, because yeah, I mean, games something you really don't have access to. Yeah, I mean, games you really have is a lot different than a movie because you know, like you said. Once you move to the next game console, most companies quit producing that. And once that your console breaks, it's really hard to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, I mean, how many people can go find an old PlayStation One at this point? Unless you're going to like the Game Peddler, looking on eBay, or and it, and even then, that's a crapshoot. Yeah. Um, and then you know, you go buy, even if you buy one from one of these old vintage game stores, how long is that going to last before it breaks? 
Um, and then then trying to track down the game, if you want to play Final Fantasy VII and you don't have it anymore, I mean, I, I think when I looked on eBay, I mean, even... As expensive as they were. The, the old, well, more. so Final Fantasy II, the old SNES game cartridge, which is Final Fantasy IV, um, it's still like 100 bu- It's like 100 bucks. I mean, it's more than when I originally bought it now. And that's just the cartridge. That's not with the box or anything else. Yeah. So it's just like these games retain their value, but they're also really hard to find because no one wants to give them up. So, I mean, it is, it's a great idea. It's, I just, like I said, I don't hope, or I hope they don't do what Lucas did to, uh, to Star Wars, where they tweaked it to the point where you're just like, no, that 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 doesn't buy. Yeah. No, too much green screen. No, <laughs> like Han and Greedo. Yeah. That's, that's I, I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure you don't have to worry too much because a lot of what Lucas tweaked was, oh, we can do this, so why not? Yeah. And I don't think the developers at Square Enix are going to say, oh, look, we're on a new console. We can do this, so why not? I don't know. That, that, I, that's I really, a worry. I really don't think – I think that there are – I'm pretty sure I can – Because, you know, I've gone, I've gone through Square and I played what doing. You know, Final Fantasy IV, and they made enough changes to it that I quit playing the game. I got halfway through and I'm like, nope, I'm done, because it was changed so much that I lost my interest in it. So, well, while we're on the topic of remakes of video games, a lot of news keeps pouring in from Battlefront. Yes, leads me to believe that we're not really getting Battlefront; we're getting Star Wars Battlefield. (laughs) You know what I mean? Okay. And I mean, I don't know how much you guys played the original Battlefront. I still do. Yeah, I love it. And so you're thinking we're going to get be able to jump into vehicles and fly around and well, there's a lot of key elements that made the first Battlefront so special that we're not going to get. Okay. You know, for instance, uh, uh, what they call command posts or whatever, they're not yeah. there anymore. That's not an object of the game. Not an objective. Interesting. That's probably the biggest thing that Battlefront did when it first came. Yeah, because you had to command. you had to go conquer other command posts and make sure yours didn't get. You know, taken and yeah, things like so that. So could, those are gone. Yeah, so you could overtake, you know, the enemy that way. And, and the, the classes of uh, of troops, way different. It's all custom exactly like Battlefield. You know, you, you decide, okay, I want to be this, you know. It, I mean, it's cool to be customizable, but yeah. I prefer in the old days when you're like, I want to be a jet trooper, I want to be a storm trooper, I want to yeah. be a rocket trooper. Like, those are the set classes, and then you go out and you fight together. And in this case, you only fight with one ally by your side the whole time. I mean, you can you can form up with a bunch of other people, but you're paired off with a couple of, with one more player okay. you're out to go and fight the enemy. It just seems like a lot of what made the first game special is being neglected. And that kind of scares me. It still looks awesome. Yeah. I'm still going to be there when it comes out at midnight. I'm probably going to spend the whole next two days playing it. But do you see this as maybe a positive thing for the franchise updating to what gamers are used to today? Or do you think that maybe this is something that's holding back what made Battlefront special to begin with? I mean, that's going to be a tough one because, like you said, a lot of games now are moving or have moved to that model. Destiny, things like that. Um, So they're probably moving in that direction so that they can retain those type of gamers. Now, is it going to be cool enough to change, you know, it's kind of like the Final Fantasy VII. Is there going to be, are the changes going to be enough to scare the old fans away? Without trying it, I can't say, to be honest. You know, those components are kind of cool. You know, 
that was what I loved about the game. We I mean, we would do land parties where we had everything hooked up, and we like you know we'd have one group of guys. They were the rebels. The other was the Imperials, and then we would just go at it, and you know, yeah. calling people this or that or other, and throwing popcorn. Over. And it was fun because you were on yeah. bases, and it's like, all right, we gotta guard the base, and then you know, some guy is like sniped all. Oh, we gotta respawn. No map. We can't. They took me. And it's that kind of stuff that defines, you know, what video games were for yeah. you, you know, and that's that's something that's real special, especially to gamers, you know, back in the day mm-hmm. that we're playing the old Battlefront. I just, I, games are, video games are one thing that really doesn't make me feel old. Yeah. Because I, I think this happens with every generation. You get used to whatever the game model is when yeah. you're, you know, the age that you enjoy them that much, and then you kind of enjoy that throughout your life. Gamers nowadays, I mean, I got a brother, Jordan. Mm-hmm. He is an intense gamer. He's one of like the top 20 battlefield players in the nation wow. or something like that. He is pretty intense. And gamers nowadays, the kids are just so good and it's so fast-paced and oh, intense yeah. and it takes so much, you know, of everything. It's such a complicated mm-hmm. model that when I see that and I think as an old gamer, I'm like I just want the point and shoot and yeah. command posts and now I have all this other stuff surrounding it it kind of intimidates me no it, it yeah. definitely is intimidating I, you know I I have attempted to play like battlefield and it's impossible <laughs> seriously I you know and I have friends that play that and they're you know they're like oh and they're serious and they're out there and I'm just like okay wait a minute how do I, how do I zoom in to snipe and then boom I'm dead it's like what the crap you, you got shot the aggravating part is you know, that you, there's no way to learn the game if yeah. you haven't been doing it forever yeah so many you know, people or you know I'm I'm charging down an alley and I'm like I see someone and I'm firing my gun and of course it's vibrating so my gun doesn't stay on there so I gotta move back so I can hit him next thing I know some guy walks up with a handgun and I'm dead. I'm like, I just un- I just unloaded a machine gun on some guy. He didn't die and he walks up one shot and I'm dead. What? How? I don't understand that. Um, now, if we if the game is going to be that way, I can see where I'm not going to want to play it. That's what I'm afraid. I'm of. gonna I, the, the replay value like is going to lose it. But there may be that it's not quite that. Maybe we still have the original. Um, you know, troopers or character types, and then we can kind of tweak and modify them from there. That could be cool. I mean, who doesn't want a, a stormtrooper that suddenly has like Boba Fett jack jetpack and can fly across the screen? And you know, and maybe if you kill a Jedi, you can pick up the lightsaber. I don't know. That probably doesn't work, but yeah, I mean, I'm a big cool. fan of you know expanding games, mm-hmm. you know, making them more whatever. But it 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 does seem to me like Battlefront. 2015 yeah. is a completely different model than oh, it probably is. Like 2005 or whatever that was. You know, and maybe they have, maybe there's another mode that's kind of a nod back to that old game where you can have those, but it's maybe. just not. I mean, they don't. It's not an have, active mode. Though. I'm telling you, Dan, they don't have instant action anymore. Oh wow. Uh, they don't have uh, a lot of stuff that was in the originals. Um, they don't even have a Death Star map. You hmm. know, there's a lot of big things that were very special in the first yeah. that are gone. So I mean. I'm going to be very optimistic about it until I play it because it's Battlefront. It is. We've all waited a very long time for a new one. It does look fun, but it does look a lot like Battlefield in my eyes. Yeah. And that's what kind of scares me. Because okay. you get old gamers yeah. mixed with new gamers that know that model, we're just going to get slaughtered. It's really hard to find the fun in being someone's target duck. That is true. So I hate it. I hate it, too. You know, I don't want to be the guy that just walks out there and, I'm dead. Crap. 
respawn. Oh, I'm dead. Play Halo because of it. I think people enjoy when I play, so they can just follow me around and get well, kills. See, see, Halo is fun. <laughs> you know, even though you don't have the base option, you know, it's just fun because you know you're just going to play with a bunch of buddies, and it's wholesale slaughter. I mean, you're gonna die. Yeah. There is no way you're not. And again, we're back to, again, opening fire, run out of bullets, guy walks up, poof, you know, hits me with the butt of his gun, I'm dead. I hate it. But it happens. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's fun. It was a little different, though, because, I mean, especially if you've been playing since the first one came out, you kind of grow and you learn, you know, with every game that comes out. I mean, I'm sure you didn't, but I did. You know, I started playing the original Halo. I played Halo 2, played Halo 3, and then you slowly, gradually got used to the way the game turned into. Right. But, Battle, but Battle, like, or Halo and Four and Battlefield, whatever the new one is, man, completely different they are. games. Like um, Battlefield is so much more intense; it scares it the crap out of me. Like I, I can't play Battlefield because it's so fast paced and it's so just all over the place. No, seriously, I will. Yeah. Pl- I've played that game. I played with my friends in that, and I literally can feel my anxiety level rising. And it's so much <laughs> to the point, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die. Yeah, you know, my fingers are trying to move as fast as I can, moving the mouse. Or even playing with the controller, I just, you know, you've probably see, seen the videos, you know, Red versus Blue, where you have that one character, it's kind of spinning around all over the place. That's probably my character. Because <laughs> you're freaking out. Because like, I'm I don't freaking look out. Like butt yeah. or and I'm, I'm scanning around trying to find something to shoot because otherwise <laughs> I'm going to die. That's Yeah, that's probably me. I mean, what these kids do nowadays is crazy. Jordan has oh. a whole channel on YouTube. Yeah. Of the crazy crap he does in Battlefield, and he has a ton of viewers and subscribers because of it. He will literally put a bomb in like a truck and drive it off a cliff, perfectly timing it to hit a plane or a helicopter, thus creating a, a chain effect of it flying or falling onto the soldiers below. Like they have timed this crap down to wow. a millisecond, and I'm worried that when I come in, you know, hunky dory stormtrooper from 2002 just ready to shoot some rebels, and all of a sudden there's these cross-the-map snipers. I'm like, I don't want to go out there with that crap. I want to. You got a snowspeeder spinning around and aimed for your head. <laughs> 20 headshots yeah. on its way down. Like, yeah. I, those, That's the kind of gamers you see today. And I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm it, it is scary. I, I will give you that. It is really scary, um, and that's impressive. A bomb in the truck and you know, <laughs> ne- hitting an airplane in flight to crash down on an army below. Wow. I'm, not even uh, I'm sure you're not. He's I, on a different level. That there, there are kids. Uh, you know, uh, I have a buddy. You know, I love Skyrim. It's a, it's a fun game. You know, he plays that game nonstop. So much to the point, I went over to his house one day and we're sitting there. He's like, "Oh, I got to finish this quest on Skyrim." I'm like, "All right, cool." So I, I sat there. A week later. Uh, no, it wasn't that much. <laughs> but this dragon comes in. I'm like, and dragons are pretty tough. When I play, they've kicked my butt. Other than that very first one at the beginning. And I'm just like, okay. He's he's like, and he's he's got his bow out. And I'm like, are you seriously going to take this on with your bow? And he's like, oh, I've got this. And he starts walking in, and the dragon takes up takes up into the air. And I'm like, okay, well, now we're going to play the weight game before it lands. He just he's like, no, no, got this. Flips it in, zooms in, arrow up, sh- tracks the dragon, fires one arrow. Poof, the dragon drops dead. I'm like, Let me guess, what it doesn't the even crap? take more than a couple of seconds yeah. for him to aim and everything. Yeah, it's I mean, he literally, he tracks it and then just lets go, hits the dragon. I'm like, I can't even fire an arrow at a dragon, let alone a moving target. I tell you, if our gen- if this generation was decently fit, we'd have the perfect soldiers to run with the <laughs> army that we <laughs> no, wanted. Probably. Because they have the instincts, the weaponry instincts of a freaking 
sniper or whatever yeah. in the actual army. It's it's scary. So so basically, what you're saying is uh, we need to prevent the uh, building of a droid army. <laughs> no, no. So this is exactly what we need to do, but not do, is you have a virtual interface where they're sitting. There's actually a robot somewhere else that they are controlling through that virtual interface. American fat avatars. Yes. That is yeah. that is now our new army. I, and they probably, like, obliterate everything. I mean... Well, you brought up another really good point, is that every time you go to a gamer's house, they are gaming. Oh, yeah. You know, and, I mean, us, we're a bit older. We have jobs and stuff that require more time with kids and whatever. I have... Uh, I, I have... <coughs> I think I t- picked up my... Xbox controller for the first time two weeks ago and played Lego Batman 3 for like 10 minutes and then I was done and then yeah, I've been, I, mean, the I haven't touched it. Half an hour now rather than two yeah. days I, I, I was see. fortunate enough to have a three hour Metroid Prime session yeah. earlier this well, week. Well I mean it's like okay, you know. And now it's a rarity. It was. I mean Final Fantasy 7. I put in over 99 hours. And now you're looking One to summer. get an hour in. I can't life. even get an hour in in a month. Anymore. So you take the stats, the time stats mm-hmm. of us old gamers, and you put them against these kids that they go to school, they come yeah. home, they play literally until it's time to go to sleep and go to school the next day. Like it, the it's the difference is crazy. It is. It is to think that we could even come close to matching up against someone like that. Well, it? and not only that, I, I you know I moved to playing board games or yeah. role playing games or <laughs> card games where I play at least to me they're more games. they're they're more exciting and more fun. Um, you know, it's like. I've been playing this one game with my kids, and they're like, and I, and I quit. And they're like, well, why did you quit? That's an awesome game. I'm like, because there's no end point. I mean, it's the same reason I didn't really get into World of Warcraft. Played for seven minutes. I've never touched it again. It's because there's literally no end point. It's just constantly getting more the cooler equipment and keep questing and getting more money to get more equipment. There's no end point. You know, with Final Fantasy, stuff like that, there is an end point. Role-playing games, there's an end point. There's a, a board game. Yeah. That's 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 my huge yeah. point with every game, and she, you know, Jessica, she tells me sometimes I'm crazy, but you know, it's if I have a game with a good story, I only need to play it once. Cause oh it's yeah, a story. Yeah, but you don't. You play it like eight times. Well, you gotta know the story. <laughs> no, you have to know the story inside and out, every minute detail. That is why. Yeah, I'm you know, a lot Cold, of people feel the same Cold way that you do. I mean, a lot of people do enjoy playing games for the story. I just don't have time for the story. I, I have yeah. thirty minutes to it get in, like play, get out. I don't have time to listen it, to. It a takes about yeah. as much time as it takes to dedicate yourself to a TV show. Like it's it's a long story, yeah. but. It, it interacts you in a way that TV and, and movies really don't, because you have control over the storytelling. Well, and, it's, I, and, it's very, and everyone's different. I mean, there there are gamers like you, where you you just want to have something to just Mortal do Kombat. something. Yeah, just do something. Get it. Get in. Get out. Because you have a few minutes. Right. You know, you've got other things you, you want to do. Work out that aggression. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shoot them. Yes. That's what in, final point. That's what injustice is for. Uh, Battlefront exactly. will not have a story mode. Yeah, what? probably won't. No, they, they've already told us that the what was it called the camp something campaign from the original ones uh, is not coming back to this. It's a purely. Oh, that just seems lazy. Well, yeah. See, this is well, I can see something here though. So they release it without one. A lot of people gripe, and then and we the get a DLC. DLC. Yeah. You know, I'm so sick of DLCs. I love the old days where you had there was a there's a graphic online that explained you that had, had everything. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a hamburger, full hamburger with the bacon, all the stuff on it, and they and it was labeled at the original game. Yep. Then a soda and fries, both labeled expansion. Yeah. And then underneath it, it had just the buns, <laughs> and it was labeled with 
the the original game. Yeah. And then the bacon had labeled pre-order. Yeah. And then the ketchup and mayo had uh, uh, Best Buy and GameStop exclusive. <laughs> and then the cheese and the condiments or whatever had, you know, DLC, 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 yeah. DLC. And I'm sick of that. I just oh, want to so buy a game and be ready to well, play. Well, that's another thing. I mean, let's look at, like, the mobile games. I mean, how many times have you gone, picked up a mobile game because it looks awesome? You know, like, oh, hey, look, they got SimCity on, you know, your tablet. That's bu- good. And then it's like everything is an in game purchase. purchase. It's like, oh, wait a minute, you need this, this, and this to go to the next level. Oh, wait a minute, I can only get that if I purchase something. I don't want to... Sp- it's the yeah. best scam. It is. It really is. Have ever done. It, and I will it's tell almost you, like a Ponzi scheme. I'm a huge Clash of Clans fan. Yeah. I love Clash of Clans. And how much money have you sunk into it? Probably 20 bucks. I will not do what most people do. I was yeah. looking online to see, you know, how the crap do people get so good so fast? Yes, because they really spend money. I saw a video where some guy spent twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars on his stupid Clash of Clans village, so he'd be the biggest and best. And he doesn't even play anymore because there's no point to being that good. And you know, yeah. it's just it's ridiculous. Well, see, I I bought a game and my first experience with it, so I did spend some money. I got six dollars worth of in thing. Well, then they did an update, and when the update wiped out everything, the and then they wouldn't give you, they wouldn't credit you back. So that was the end of that because like you spent all this money, and then the the, the you know and there's been some other games I've played and they've reset it. That's like oh we got all these people that are cheating and stuff like this, so we're resetting everything. So everything you just paid for is gone. And it's like what the heck? Yeah. Or they've closed the game down, so there's money you've blown and now you can't even play the game anymore. They did that with a couple of Star Wars games. I was upset about. Yeah. But I didn't put any money. I, I rarely put money in mobile games. Oh, I don't. E- I don't anymore. But it's uh, just... yeah, it's 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 great. Mobile games are a whole other beast on their own. Yeah. I mean, even Jessica's fallen prey to mobile games. You you were the bejeweled freak for like a year straight. Put some money in it, but yeah. you know it's. It's a toll. It, but, I mean, that's literally that the only game, though. I mean, I've recently got into, like, trivia. What's it called? Trivia, trivia Crack. crack and stuff like I've, I've recently got into that, but for the most part, it's, I don't know. Like, it's just, it feels like a waste of time. I have friends. It is. I have friends who have, you know, drop thirty, forty dollars $40 a month for extra life on Candy Crush. I mean, it, that's the one, Candy Crush. It's just, and that game is, I. it's just awful. <laughs> I don't really like it. And, I mean, I just don't, I don't understand putting money into an extra life just so you can entertain yourself for five more minutes before you have oh. to do another. No, I mean, if you're going to spend money, it better be it the full sense. game. If I'm and spending money on my phone, it's to add to my iTunes. Babe, that is it. <laughs> I want you to tell everybody our experience watching the miniseries Black Mirror on BBC that covered the subject of virtual reward. Remember that he's oh, in that episode two from yeah. season one? Yes. I'm uh, glad someone else has seen it. Uh, the, the, brilliant. Uh, one million merits yes. is what it was called. Yes. Um, brilliant. That brilliant. episode is crazy relevant. Today. Yeah. <laughs> Today, yeah. especially. I mean, for everyone that doesn't know, I mean, do you want to explain it a little bit? or Okay, I'll explain uh, it. Or I can, Cameron, I, I can, yeah. I can yeah, summarize Cameron. this really quick. Uh, basically, everyone uh, works for these fake money uh, units that they call merits, and they spend them on their little icon that they use to uh, interact with everything digitally. The every, everything is screens and everything is interaction. 
nobody is ever physically where they are being entertained. Uh, and all this money is just fake, it's, uh, it's, superfluous. Yeah, to change well, their to clothes. Change, to on change their, their clothes. Yeah. What, on, what's the, what's the, what did they say on the U, the, the Wii U, the uh, the little characters that you create? The Me's. Like the Me's. The yeah. It's like it's, that. It's yeah. like your yeah. Me. So it's an avatar of yourself. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and you never go outside. These people live in basically like a, a bunker. A screen room, yeah. and then they go uh, run an exercise bike that powers everything. Yeah. And they that's 100% of their life. People for their Me. And they, like, work, they spend so much time and money and effort into making their virtual self look better and enter- be entertained yeah. you know. and and uh, and on top of all of that there's the advertising that you know you don't you can spend a little bit of your merits to ignore yeah <sighs> if you don't want to watch literally porn on on every it's your your room is made of screens yeah and so if you don't want to watch it you have to pay with your merit to swipe it to make it go away otherwise then, you have to watch the whole thing other, otherwise you have to watch the whole thing wow that's all ads all advertising, it's food, all ads, all day, uh, all the porn, time, and all that kind of stuff. And you have to pay merit to not see the ads. And I think we're almost there. We're to that point now where it's like, I mean, for goodness sake, we pay for Netflix, so we don't have to watch ads. And now Hulu has ads, and Netflix is talking about. I would pay five dollars extra a month not to, to not have ads. Have ads. Yeah. I really would. And so well, it's getting to that point where it's like, okay, <laughs> if I watch a video on YouTube, if I pay five dollars a month, then I get the no advertisements. There's not no not to mention that. not to mention that uh, 2014 uh, to 2015 uh, is the first year where more transactions were done using uh, credit and debit cards than actual physical money. More yeah. money was transferred wow. digitally yeah. than physically. Well, and, and it's gonna. It, that's. I mean, if you look at any of the science fiction stuff. That's where it eventually will go. Um, but I, you know, on top of that, I. Surrogate was kind of along those lines. The movie Surrogate with Bruce Willis, where everyone was pretty much at home, and they had their little avatars running, the replicas of or themselves gamer. running around. With gamer. Or gamer, yeah. Gamer. Nobody likes yeah. that movie. It's that awesome. was a great movie. I, I really it. like that movie. Um, My so. But my reason for bringing that up is that's where we're headed. I oh, mean, yeah. Literally, it's a perfect visual representation of what our society is turning into. It's kind of sad. Yeah. It's really... I we're mean, more concerned with our appearance well, on online. Facebook than yeah. we are in real life. Well, Mike Rowe, um, guy that did Dirty Jobs. Yeah. I mean, he's made several statements where society has become a group of it, Individuals that are leaving school and have no work ethic or value or know how to keep a job because they're, they're home playing video, they're playing games, video games all the time. Day, yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong, video games do have some merits. They, you know, there are some value to them. I feel like just Minecraft. But you know, when you're playing that, you know, all the time, you're missing out on social interaction skills, which is important when you're in a job. You're missing out on what it takes to actually do something. I mean. You know, you go to make a film. It's not easy. It's hard work no, and a lot not of work. Online either. Yeah, no. it's a, it's a lot of hard work. And but you know, people seeing stuff online and people taking videos here and there. And, oh, I'm gonna go be a filmmaker. Well, they're gonna get you know a well, hard smack from reality. Watching a video online yeah. and going on the field and doing yeah, it. and doing it. And that's, I mean, again, I bring this up almost every show, but there is a generation gap between me and the other people. Yes. I feel like I narrowly escaped the generation that has been consumed by all this digital nonsense. 
I remember as a kid going and playing night games and going actually to a baseball field and listening to music and looking at the stars and all that kind of stuff that kids just do not do nowadays. It is all sitting in your living room, playing the Xbox, playing on your computer. They don't get the same, like like you said, social um, uh, exposure Mm -hmm. that you need to function as a human being. And the, the generation coming up now... When they're adults, it's going to be a really weird country, people. Okay, so I, I'm going to bring this up because you, you said night games. So, yes, um, over the can, my, capture the flag. Yeah, so we, we're we a weird family. You know, Our neighborhood is no. it's weird. It is dead <laughs> no. quiet. There is, you don't see kids really outside. Anymore. And we're outside. We like being outside. And, you know, we had people come over and, you know, my son's invited some friends over. We we're going to play kick the can. You know, the wind was calling. It was cooling down, you know, because it was 97 degrees. And so we finally decided to come out around 8 o'clock and it was still 89 degrees. But it was cooler. And so they come over and we're like, they're like, what's kick the can? I'm like, seriously? You've never played kick the can? This is crazy. You know, and that's how kids are. It's like, you know. Well, so Jessica's kind of what is this? What is that? In Utah, since the neighborhoods are safe and people aren't abducting kids left and right, we had these things called night games. No, oh, I understand night games. I've just never heard of kick the kid. That's one of the popular ones here in Utah. We got on four yeah. wheelers and played tag. I'm from See, Alabama. That sounds even funner. <laughs> but there's the the risk of murder is a little higher in Alabama. But uh, <laughs> that's true. But we're in the country. You go through the same neighborhoods. Oh, yeah. You know, for instance, we have a buddy that we pick up to come here every week, Abram Allred. Hi, Abram. What's going on? Um. I used to live in the same neighborhood as him, mm-hmm. and me and Cameron and Abram will carpool all the time, and we go to drop him off. At night, there's nobody out anymore. When oh, I was a kid, well, every yeah. single night, there was kids running around. When I was a kid, summer, I'd eat breakfast, watch my morning cartoons, and then I was gone yeah. until it you was... trampolines. Yeah, it, it was like, baseball. I would be coming in around 10 o'clock. Inside the house. Yeah, I was coming in around 10 o'clock. My parents didn't care. They knew I would be home. Maybe I so the didn't. The streetlights are on your butt. Yeah. It better be yeah. home. Yeah, the streetlights came on. You had to be home. You know, and and maybe my parents not caring wasn't normal. I don't know, but I came home and it was cool. My parents kind of knew where I was. They knew what friends I was at. You know, we had, and it wasn't just you know my friends. We had all sorts of people coming over and we were doing things like crazy. And now it's like I, it, now it's a little bit better. But I seriously had to force my kids to go outside. And when it was like go outside. And it was like, oh, do I have to? It's like it was a punishment. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. I was always outside. I was jumping. In the last 10, yeah, 20 it's years, weird. video games have become funner than real life, which is really scary. Yeah, it is. And and that's why they have to have those ad campaigns for, you know, play a sport for like 60 minutes. Yeah. That's all we want yeah, you to do. The NFL yeah. is trying to rescue us, everybody. <laughs> Grab a Troy Palomalo jersey and go over the movement. It's seriously real, though. No, it is. No, it is. They don't, you know, and, you know, we got air conditioning, which, you know, we didn't really have air conditioning when I was a kid. So, yeah, you were sweating inside or outside. Who cares? Unless you're directly under the swamp cooler, there's no AC. Yeah. (laughs) Playing outside, is there's a lot to do with independent freedom as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to escape your parents for several hours and hope that your friend's parents are way cooler than yours. Yeah. And go and just have fun and do whatever you want. And then you come back home and... Kind of work. Yeah, I got I got to watch Monty Python and Search for the Holy Grail for the first time at my friend's house, and it was great. No it was because awesome. your fr- because your friend's parents always have different rules than your parents. Yes, yes. and so I said this, you know, even with you know the whole nuns and zoot series where it's like, oh, I want a spanking too, and I'm like twelve, and I'm like, 
Okay, <laughs> this is weird, but all right, this is funny. Um, but the concept of friends has been smeared too. Oh yeah, it's like I have a friend. He lives in uh, I've Taiwan. Ne- I've and never we met him. Together. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is my friend. Like, yeah, so uh, you know, uh, a bu- another buddy that I actually lived with several years ago. You know, uh, I moved to, moved out of the house. I was living with with him, but you know, he emailed me. I was like, oh man, I got a girlfriend finally. I'm like, awesome. Tell me about her. Man, she's so awesome, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yeah, we're going on another date tomorrow. I'm like, cool. Where are you going? Oh, we're going on a raid. I'm like, what? You're, go- you're, you're going to a rage? No, no, we're going on a raid. Uh, oh, on Warcraft? Man. Yeah. We're going to go for a raid. I'm like, where does this ga- girl live? Is, I mean, she, if she's down the block, I'm coming over to hit you. Oh, she's in Canada. That's ridiculous. Your girlfriend lives in Canada. And your you date her? is going on a raid? I was like, yeah, it's awesome. I'm like, okay, dude, awesome. Uh, that's just weird. It's like the guild. But that, it is. <laughs> it is like the guild. But they actually finally meet each other and have a really great time. But that's kind of how it is now. It, you know, people are, and okay, one, one that is be cool because you, you are meeting people in a situation that you wouldn't normally. I mean, he'd probably never go to Canada, but that's awesome. Um but to the point but where that it, it's to the friend. point where yeah. yeah the social interaction has gone no no one's going and meeting someone to go play frisbee golf or night games and you know i it's like my one daughter multiplayer like era of video games was when yeah. you physically brought your xbox to your friend's yep. house oh yeah Halo, the, the and you, N- the, you had to <laughs> land them together the n64 yes. playstation xbox era was the, awesome. the pinnacle cause yeah. You know, and and because the the only way you could get a lot of people playing a game was to, to bring them all. You had to, to your come house. together, and we were all in the same room, and we could trash talk and say, "You stupid idiot! You didn't <laughs> freaking frag me!" Where you could where you could actually punch the guy in the shoulder yes. for sniping you. Yeah. Yes. Fifty yards away. That, in, instead, now you play and you get some punk little thirteen year old calling you every freaking name in the book, I and it's like, holy crap. That. If you Did were you, standing here. If your mother was standing next to you, she would be hitting you with a giant baseball bat filled with nails. I mean, seriously. That's probably true. It, it, my I really miss <laughs> that. Hey, if anyone listening, if you're a childhood friend of Jared Seach, I'm going to send you a message. We're getting together. We're going to play some video games together in person. We're going to have a good time like the old days. I have my old Xbox, and I do have all my Battlefield games. We're doing games. this. We should Daniel. do it. Let's do it. I miss that. I would totally do it. That I love that game. Yeah, it, that, that was the great part. Even though we were still playing a video game, we were, we're still together. together and interacting socially. Because mm-hmm. you're right, we could punch the guy next to us, or we could call the other guy an idiot, or you could say, I'm going to blast you and blow him up, or whatever. I'm and it was getting fun. in fights with yeah. Brad. I mean, <laughs> even though we were getting in fights, we were still having fun, and we were yeah. all joking and mm-hmm. laughing. And then, and then, and then uh, like 30, 40 minutes later, you could set down the controls, go outside, and play another game. Oh, yeah. You, you put the games down, and you're probably throwing water balloons at each other. You know, oh. having a water gun fight, yeah. or dodgeball on the trampoline. Or dodgeball on the trampoline, which is awesome. Well, and you know the thing is, is that you know games aren't all bad. Um, no, they're not. No, games, know, are, games can be good. Well, but no, just... what I was gonna say is, I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge role-playing game. Per- I'm really not. Let's be honest. But I will say this. Knights of the Old Republic is the best game ever. I agree, Betty. I agree. Yeah, it is, actually. But, no. (laughs) I'm saying that, like, when I... Board games. Yeah. Role-playing. Yes. um, I think that's probably the best thing 
that people can do together. It helps them. They use their imagination. They spend time together. Like it's the best. Hate each other. It's the best. Hey, I only hit the droid. <laughs> no, I mean role playing. You, you got critical thinking. You got the social interaction. You've got economics because you're trying to figure out. You, you know, balance your checkbook. Uh, literally, right. storytelling is always storytelling. Limitless. Is limitless, yeah. you know, and then uh, and then, and then the improv. players all derailing from what the GM has planned. Oh yeah, well, I mean, there's you got your improv in there. I mean, there's so many things that can factor in there, and generally, yes, players are jerks because yeah. <laughs> as a DM, I will write and write and write, and I'll have this huge booklet of everything I'm going to do, which is so awesome, and they use three pages of it and go somewhere else. Yeah, and you're just like, and they no, don't, we're not doing that. And they that. don't even go to the bar that they need to go to no, in order no, to no. start the adventure. Yep. Let's go to that Wendy's. Let's go to the better one. Yeah. No, you got to go to this one. <laughs> go to the good Wendy's. Yes. They went to McNubbins, clear over in West Valley. <laughs> just because they give toys with their happy meals. Instead of a nice McDonald's in Orem. <laughs> Where they get chicken gizzards for their sandwiches. No, not, a, not a dragon steak, Ew. a chicken gizzard sandwich. Served uh, by some gnarly no. No, I, I actually ran a game with my kids uh, on Monday. Hilarious. It is the funniest thing watching kids play. You know, I, I played with experienced gamers, and they're, you know, they're serious. They're, they're hardcore. These kids are like, dude, I want to stab this ogre in the balls with a dagger that and i'm like, like that thing so is magic. 10 feet tall i don't care it's magical no it's not <laughs> all right i'm doing it and they well, roll and they roll a freaking natural 20 it's like all right you hit it in the balls you're going for it and then then they're like completely shocked that it nails it with its club and kills them <laughs> i'm like it just rolled for max damage you have 14 hit points it did 22 you're dead my first what? role-playing game ever. I fortunately had my brother with me, yeah. and he decided it would be awesome for his weapons. And this was the edge of the empire. Yeah, okay. We're we're all stuck in a cell. We're being guarded by Gamorians. <laughs> Jordan decided his weapons needed to be a rag of chloroform and a screwdriver. So uh, we get to the point where we're about to get free. We're about to get escape, and he decides to chloroform the Gamorian guard. And that's something I never thought I would ever see in Star Wars. So RPGs are definitely like a portal into something that really triggers your creativity, yeah. really triggers just the funness of being together and with other people. And that's something that kids are missing, I think, is being able to tap into the imagination and the creativity mm-hmm. because the, in video games, it's You're all laid out the same for pattern. them. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's already laid out for them. They, don't, they just have to think, okay, how do I kill this person? Not They're not creating worlds. They're not taking... They're GI Joes outside and creating a really cool story anymore. Mm. They're just given. They're just playing what they're given, mm. and role playing games give you that opportunity to to really think outside the box and use your imagination. My GI Joes fought in giant sand battles with water and other craziness. They would drown or get buried or blown up by firecrackers. Daniel, yeah, don't even get me started <laughs> on kids not playing with action figures anymore. That's what really. Okay. Action figures irritate me because okay, let's look at Transformers. We we don't got a lot of time. But mine were high, durable plastic and metal. Now there's little little joints made of plastic that snap. I won't buy another Transformer because they're horrible. They break. I, I remember as a kid, I had a Transformer that uh, was a bulldozer, and the bulldozer actually had working treads. Yeah. <laughs> now they don't. Now they don't. Yeah. You can't get that. I oh, I still miss all those lead toys, big, don't you? <laughs> I still have a big box full of Star Wars toys that I've given to my stepkids, and they... 
still they have passed the test of time, and they are the yeah. most durable. And I used to spend hours. Right. Nobody does anymore. Well, we got ten seconds, so we're out of here. <laughs> we'll catch you next week. We'll talk more about crazy stuff. Uh, we got the guys uh, coming on next week that have actually resurrected TSR. So if you know who that is, that'll be pretty cool. They're guys that uh, used to be Dungeons and Dragons. So uh, with that said, we will catch you next week. And uh, have fun. Watch fandom. Watch fandom. 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 Monday. Fandom. Monday. Fandom. Monday.